This podcast was made in collaboration with Go With Yemo. Go With Yemo is an art exhibition app which helps you to find the exhibitions, art fairs and art events happening all around you. The app displays exhibitions based on your location, so the one closest to you will be at the top of the list. But if you're planning a trip, you can of course change your location to a different city. What makes the app really fun is that when you are at an exhibition, you can check in and earn points which um, can then be used to redeem prizes from the in-app store such as prints, exhibition tickets, books and more. Go With Yamo also create custom virtual exhibitions for galleries and artists. They are creating a virtual exhibition of our upcoming summer auctions, so be sure to look out for that. You can find all of these on their website along with some great blog content, including artist interviews, exhibition recommendations, quizzes and reviews. Um, the app is free to download from the App Store and the Google Play Store, so make sure you check it out and visit their website, www.gowithyamo.com. That's www.g-o-w-i-t-h-y-a-m-o.com. Hello and welcome to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by Art on a Postcard. We are back with a new series and as such, we are opening with a reminder of why we do the work that we do at Art on a Postcard. And as the Hepsi Trust approaches its 20-year anniversary, we thought there was no one better to speak to than founder and previous CEO of the Hepatitis C Trust, Charles Gore. Charles founded the Hepatitis C Trust after a diagnosis and a conversation in 1999 that he describes in the podcast. He then embarked on a journey leading the charity to its imminent elimination before handing over the baton to current CEO Rachel Halford and moving on to Medicine's patent pool as executive director. In the podcast, Charles speaks about what it takes to open a charity, the developments and moments in the Hepatitis C Trust's history that have made the elimination goal possible, challenges that the charity has faced, and gives an insight into the climate of health charities and his views on what makes a charity a success. Charles is hands down one of the most impressive people that I've chatted to on the podcast and I'm so excited for those of you that haven't yet heard the story of the Hepatitis C Trust to hear it from the man that kind of led it all to happening. Um, Coming up this series I will be chatting to a handful of the artists featured in our upcoming summer auction from which 100% of the funds will go to the Hepatitis C Trust. The cards from the auction are up on our website now, www.artonapostcard.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Art on a Postcard to receive all of the updates and features on participating artists. The auction goes live between the 24th of June and the 8th of July 2021, so do not miss out. Please do head over also to Hepatitis C, uh, sorry, uh, www.hepsitrust.org.uk to find out more information about anything discussed in the episode with Charles. I hope you enjoy. So how, other than being extremely busy, how are things for you? What's it been like this year, for instance, in Switzerland? 
Um, it's been okay. I've been backwards and forwards between Switzerland and France. You know, and I've been coming to Switzerland for um, 10 years for the World Hepatitis Alliance because we've done so much with WHO. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, I, and I like Geneva. Uh, it's, you know, it's a fairly small city and I found somewhere to live just outside it, which is right on the lake. So it's really beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, much as I had, you know, it was a big wrench to leave the Hepsi Trust, particularly before everything's finished and, you know, and so on. And I really wanted to shut the door and lock it down when it's all done. And, you know, I really wanted to, but, um, at the same time, this was a sort of an amazing uh, opportunity to mm -hmm. uh, come to Switzerland. And because we have this house in France. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, obviously, I know you say about closing the doors and that being a kind of nice symbolic act to kind of <laughs> open them and then close them again um, yeah. later. Um, but we're obviously coming up to the 20 years anniversary um, of the Hepsi Trust um, coming into the world. Yeah being born um yeah. so we thought there was no one really better to chat to for this auction for this podcast um episode yeah. than you yourself as the founder um and this is really just a few questions just to kind of I guess reminisce and recollect and sort of inform some of the newer supporters of art on the postcard exactly who their money is going to um so Charles, if you don't mind, 20 yep. years ago, <laughs> how and why did you conceive of the idea of starting up this now internationally recognised charity? Well, it came about because four of us with Hep C met um, at a, a clinic that was doing Chinese medicine. And it's an NHS clinic and uh, in South London. And we we're all being treated there because there was really an absence of medicines for hep C at the time. And so we were trying, you know, anything to kind of keep ourselves in shape, knowing that there'd be medicines coming in the future. And we'd all had exactly the same problem, which was we couldn't find reliable information and we couldn't get any kind of support. And we were just chatting about this. And, and one of us, and I don't think it was me, said, you know, we ought to have a charity to, to do this, to provide information and support people with hep C so that other people don't have to go through what, what we've had to go through. And I then did some research and I found that there were more than 500 HIV charities registered in the UK, not a single one for hep C. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the four of us, um, had a company that, that uh, actually did um, a lot of sort of medical research um, and they had uh, lawyers in place. So that person said, look, I, my lawyers can help set this up. And so the four of us said, okay, well, let's, let's do it. And um, so we went through the, what you have to go through to set up a charity. And one day, and I was thinking in my head, um, you know, that, that'll be, I'll be a trustee and, and that'll mean maybe four meetings a year and, you know, that'll be fine. And one day, and they got, they got me on a bad day, the other three of them ganged up on me and they got me in a corner and they said, you do realise you're going to have to run this, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I, I, I've never run a charity before. I'm not sure I've got any of the skill sets. I've never done fundraising. I mean, I, you know, and they were like, you're just going to have to learn because we're all way too busy, so you do it. 
And that's how it, it came about. And so then to start with, what we, we did first of all was the information thing. So I went and wrote an incredibly, um, incredibly full website answering all the questions that I had had or tried to in a language that I thought I or someone like me could understand. So that was the whole point to start with. And that took quite a long time. And then the next thing we did was set up a helpline to provide the support. And it was only after that that we got, we realized that actually advocacy was just as important. Mm -hmm. We needed to really be on at the government to do something about this. And particularly as drugs started to become available, it was like, well, here are the drugs. You've got to make them available to people so that they can actually get cured. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. Wow, yeah. Um, I find that just so... It, it, to, to consider that in the last 30 years, this will be the first charity that's actually completed what it set out to do. It's amazing that it was started on such sort of precarious <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think the best things often happen like that, a bit kind of spontaneously, sort of slightly by chance. Uh, uh, as I said, you know, I was so not looking to do that job. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I always, I always think of myself as, you, you know, so that, that kind of visual gag where uh, the sergeant says, right, I need a volunteer for a suicide mission. <laughs> and everybody, all the soldiers take a step back except for the rather stupid one, the, bit, <laughs> the, the slow one, who doesn't realise. And so he looks like he's taking a step forward. And so the sergeant goes, well done. That's me. <laughs> the other three took a big step back. And I was like, oh, oh, have I volunteered? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, essentially, ultimately, you ended up having to step forward, which is what really counts. And um, it sounds as though as much as there was that kind of um, spontaneous energy to it, it was also born out of necessity as well. And that position had to be filled by somebody because the work had to be done. Um, so that's, you know, I guess, what makes you as a figure of the Hep C Trust just so inspiring as well. Um, so we're now obviously, like I said, close to elimination here in the UK. And obviously that's been a journey of kind of accumulative points of development um, over the course of time. There's no real one thing that you can um, put it all down to. But I will say, if I, I wanted to ask you if there are any particular moments or um, movements or developments that stand out for you as the breakthroughs over the course of the 20 years to get us to this point. I mean, one of the things is, is that we got these great new drugs that, that made getting cured from hep C really so easy. And in such, a, you know, almost everyone who takes them gets cured. So that was, that was really important. In terms of, of what we were doing, I think that um, the Hep C Trust leading on the World Hepatitis Alliance and getting it onto the world agenda at the World Health Organization was, again, a real breakthrough point because that led to um, the global health sector strategy and the world agreeing to eliminate it by, by 2030, including the UK. Um, so I think that was that was really critical, and again, that was the Hep C Trust leading on that um, with WHO, with countries getting them to back this idea. Mm -hmm. um, I think also uh, 
a really important thing that um, we did was um, the use of peers. So really promoting this idea that people with the lived experience of hepatitis C and in particular cases of, uh, of uh, injecting drug use also were the people who are best placed to reach out to people with that kind of history who are a key group that need to get tested and treated. So um, all the work that we've done in the community with drug services in prisons, uh, and that started uh, really quite early with our, our peer program. So that was another key thing. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you know, uh, getting, for example, Anita Roddick as a, as a patron and the support, the continuous support of the Roddick, Roddick Foundation over the years has been immensely important. But the level of awareness that she was able to uh, bring before she so tragically died was amazing uh, and really helpful. But again, it's also about people who've continuously supported us, like the Roddick Foundation, and there have been a number of other um, uh, donors to the Hep C Trust who, who've been really important. Um, and also that, that does include Art on a Postcard, because that money has been really, really important, because unlike a lot of the money that we raised to do the work we do, it was uh, it was non-restricted, so we could use it for anything. That gave us flexibility, uh, allowed us to try new things, uh, allowed us to fill shortfalls in certain areas. So incredibly important. Plus, Art and a Postcard acted as a great um, awareness raising and engagement of a whole lot of other people who we would never normally have re reached out to. Um, and so that's been uh, extremely important. So when, when we set that up, I think that was another kind of milestone. Uh, and it's also, it's different. The way it's been done at the Hepsi Trust thing is very different from the way other charities have, have done things. And, and again, you know, that's a big thanks to, to, every single person who's contributed over the years um, by doing the postcards to the people who then bought them. You know, it's been, it's been, and it's also because it's different. I think a lot of what the Hepsi Trust has done is a bit different from your normal run of the mill charity. Yeah. And I really like that about it. And, and art on the postcard is a, is a prime example. Um, and yeah. Um, what else? I think then the, the, the final piece was, uh, oh, and I should say, actually, well, this is all part of it. First of all, getting the, the governments in the UK behind the idea of elimination and going for a target that was more uh, ambitious than the world target of 2030. So that was really important. And then following from that, a lot of NHS funding to help support the work we do, particularly the peer work, has mm -hmm. been absolutely critical. So um, I'm not sure I can pick a, a particular point on that, but the ongoing uh, political work yeah. of support from members of parliament and that uh, pushing a succession of governments to do more until you know they're really, really behind Pepsi elimination. And yeah. that's why we're going to be able to achieve it.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, terrific. So good. Um, and I guess on the flip side of that, um, in your experience, what have been the biggest challenges over the years in your work with the Hep C Trust that you've had to sort of fight against or overcome? Awareness mm. uh, has been the big, the big challenge. We've never had the kind of money to, uh, to throw at it that we would really like. Um, to make sure that, you know, everyone would come forward for a test. So we've had to do it the hard way, go out and find them <laughs> much more than, than relying on them to, to come to us. And it's been a challenge right from the word go. And mm. the, the, um, what happened is that uh, in 2004, the, the, the government in, the, in England did launch a, an awareness campaign uh, called Face It!, but we didn't like it at all and um we didn't like the the strap line uh which was it was face it and then it was uh face your past suggesting you'd done something terribly wrong and now should you know take your medicine i don't know it was horrible and very stigmatizing and we got them to drop it and then they they started a much better campaign which just said get tested get treated but almost immediately they did that uh, we went through the economic crisis and the money was withdrawn for public awareness. And as I said, we never really had it. So I think awareness has been the big thing. Um, I think there's been, there was some reluctance to take on board the, the whole peer model mm -hmm. uh, that took really a lot of pushing to get that fully accepted and to the point where people really are behind it, which they are now. And um, yeah, Funding mm -hmm. has always been a bit of a, you know, uh, up and down. Uh, it's never easy yeah. because Hep C's never had the kind of, you know, emotional appeal maybe that, I don't know, children with cancer has much more sort of uh, emotional appeal to people. Yeah. Um, particularly as, you know, um, all sorts of people get Hep C, but that it disproportionately affects people who inject drugs because that's such an... Uh, an efficient way of, of contracting it yeah. and that's not a group that the public at large generally uh, give money to so yeah uh i think funding uh, yeah. but um yeah luckily we've always made it through so it's been fine yeah yeah um and then uh sort of finally really um just to get a more of a general picture um as to where we are now and where we've been where we have been how has the general landscape of healthcare and healthcare charity work in general changed over the last 20 years that you've been working in that field wow that's quite a tricky question <laughs> uh, how has it changed i think it's become a lot more professional right um really concentrating much more on you know what impact are we having and um i think you know certainly when i started um we were just doing things and the things that we were doing like putting out a really great website were enough we weren't measuring how many people used it you know what they thought of it etc cetera, etc cetera. you know did it change the way they addressed the hep c all the kind of things you want to happen but we weren't really measuring it and i think that's got much better. And a lot of that's been driven by funders. 
um, saying, well, if we're giving you this money, we want to know, you know, what happens? Are you spending it sensibly? So, uh, which is great that, that funders have kind of driven that, I think, a lot. Um, but it, it's definitely a, a massive improvement. Um, the government grants have largely dried up. Uh, it's become much, much more difficult. We got quite a lot of government grants, small ones, but a lot of them year after year um, initially, and that became increasingly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I mean, this is slightly off, off subject, but this is one of my, my little bugbears, and it, it is important for, for the Hepsi Trust. So there is a proliferation in the UK of charities. You know, people set up charities at the drop of a hat. You know, someone they know or love, a child, whatever, dies of something, and they immediately want to set up a charity to raise money for it, which is very laudable. The thing is, what I think doesn't happen enough is people looking around, is there a charity that does this, that I could perhaps, you know, raise money for, so that there's just one charity doing it, not here's another charity also doing this. So that's why I say there were more than 500 HIV charities. You know, that just seems way too many. Mm. And they get set up and they don't close down unless they go bankrupt. Uh, by and large and I think this is wrong because what happens is each charity has to do their administration it has to do the company filings it has to do etc etc so much stuff to keep going that seems an awful waste of resources that could be better used for actually doing the work and that's why I'm extremely keen that we can with the Hepsi Trust show ideally what you would do you have a problem you set up a charity to address that because nobody else is doing it so there's a clear gap you do it it's done you shut the charity mm-hmm. that's one less charity that's needing to raise money for administration etc cetera, etc cetera. that strikes me as really important as a message to get out there and i wish the charity commission would be much tougher and ask questions like, is this needed? You know, prove to us this can't be done in another way mm-hmm. when you set up a charity rather than, yeah, yeah, fine, go ahead. Um, I don't know whether things have changed, but certainly that was uh, the situation for us uh, to start with. Uh, it's just like, fine, you just put the, the, the required documents in place and, and bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I think that's something that hasn't changed and would be really great if it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess hearing that from you as someone who's set up a charity that is now doing just that, which is, you know, in a a few years time, going to close its doors. Um, And yeah, I I suppose for you, you know, it's 20 years of the Hep C Trust, kind of meaning 20 years since you had that kind of moment with those four people as well. So. I suppose I should be saying congratulations to you as well. <laughs> 20 years in there. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for chatting with me today, Charles. It's been really inspirational as it always is to talk to you. And I know that so many of our listeners are really excited to hear your perspective um, and also get an understanding of kind of the journey that we've been through to get to this point, um, especially on this important anniversary. So yeah, thanks very well, much. Well, 
And thank you, Rosa, for all the work you're doing for Art and a Postcard. It's an integral part of uh, the Hepsi Trust and its work. So yeah. kudos to you too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much. All right. Bye. Lovely to speak to you. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Art on a Podcast. To find out more about anything discussed between Charles and I, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, please do go to www.hepsitrust.org.uk and make sure not to miss the rest of this uh, podcast series with the summer auction artists, including artists such as Shezad Darwood, Dave White, Liberty Blake, and many more. And... Not to bang on about it too much, but please do go to our Instagram, our Facebook and our Twitter and just type in at Art and a Postcard. Just give us a follow. If you enjoy our content and you want to find out more about any of the artists involved, see the artworks as they come through and find out about what kind of exciting things we have on our shop as well. Take care.